Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Great to have you along. If this is the first episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast you've listened to, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and share it with a riding buddy of yours. We've got some news to get through today and I'm going to tell you all about my experience with the Yamaha Adventure Ride as well. Let's get into the news though. Kicking off the news this episode, Cardo Packtalk Edge has been revealed. Cardo has been teasing us with this mystery new product for a few weeks now, and it's finally been revealed. Now, we uh, had some predictions a few episodes back of what could be included. You can go back and have a listen to that or check out uh, motonz.com. But the all-new Packtalk Edge, uh, this comes into the Cardo lineup as the new top dog, replacing the previous king of the jungle, the Pack Talk Black, the Pack Talk Bold and Slim will still be available at this stage. The Edge shares many features with the model it replaces, but it's upgraded and updated, and I think it looks great. It still has three buttons and a roller wheel. Uh, the real the roller wheel doubles as a fourth button as well. And it uh, still retains the classic Pack Talk Bold design language. It's a bit same, same, but different. Firstly, we were screaming out for a USB C port and fast charge, and Cardo have delivered. This unit also comes with a claimed 13 hours of talk time. The Edge is a new slimline form factor, and the mounting plate, dubbed the Air Mount, has undergone a bit of a redesign as well, now utilizing magnets to hold the unit in place on the side of your helmet. This so far is raising a few questions, probably the most controversial move from Cardo. Uh, Looking a little deeper though, there does seem to be a clip of some sort. Uh, The instructions to release the edge from the mount say to press a button and slide. Can't wait to see uh, this in person though and see how the new air mount works. We'll be testing this out and we'll share with you in a future episode of the podcast. The Boffins at JBL have come on board with three new sound profiles in the Cardo Connect app, uh, as well as uh, still coming, as, as well as the Edge still coming with those 40 millimeter JBL speakers. Uh, there is more volume, we're told. Uh, personally, I'm not too worried about the sound profiles, but the extra volume is always welcome. The Cardo Packtalk Edge is still waterproof, comes with Bluetooth 5.2 technology. Interestingly though, the Packtalk Edge has not been IP67 rated. It's not rated at all, it doesn't have a waterproof rating, but Cardo was saying it's waterproof. If it dies due to water ingress, they will replace it under warranty. This uh, new device from Cardo comes with a second generation of DMC, Dynamic Mesh Connection or Communication. Uh, This offers quicker peering, we're told. Cardo also goes into detail saying they've rebuilt the DMC protocol from the ground up, so it's a a vast improvement. They've also upgraded the natural voice engine and improved the noise-cancelling microphone, uh, which was already pretty damn good. And in a big move to bring the Talk into line with the Freecom and the Spirit models, they now have over-the-air updates instead of of having to plug your Talk edge into your computer to update it. So that all comes through on the Cardo Connect app. Uh, so that's the big reveal. Cardo, Cardo's new Pack Talk Edge is the new top dog on the block. Uh, and if you've seen the new Spirit and Freecom X lines, uh, if they're anything to go by, the Edge is going to be absolutely awesome. I've found using the Spirit and the Freecom X, the wideband intercom is brilliant. It really, it's really, really good. It's a, it's a game changer, even. It's as good as, say, a Zoom call or you know, a Skype call. Um, it sounds fantastic. 
Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We'll keep you up to date when these new units are available. We're told mid-April. Uh, price for the single Pank Talk Edge is going to be $649 in New Zealand. And the dual unit is $1199 for the, for the two kits there in one box. We're hoping to get our hands on a Pank Talk Edge to dissect it in minute detail. If you've got any questions, don't hesitate to put a comment on this podcast. Photos and more information, plus a, a few videos, are up at uh, motonz.com. The 2022 Distinguished Gentleman's Ride top prize has been announced. It's going to be an epic electric guitar and Triumph Bonneville combo. Hold on to your hats, folks. We've got another team-up special edition bike from the team at Triumph Motorcycles. And this time, it's a very special one-off for the annual Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. This time, Triumph have teamed up with a, with guitar specialist Gibson for what they're calling the uh, 1959 Legends collaboration, a one-off bike and guitar combo set to find their way into the garage of the top fundraiser for the 2022 Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Taking joint inspiration from the brand's shared historical significance of the year 1959, Triumph and Gibson have taken inspiration from 1959's Les Paul Standard and equally iconic 1959 Bonneville T120 for the collaboration. Uh, created to support the G- Distinguished Gentleman's Ride uh, in, its global, in its global charity efforts for men's mental health, prostate cancer awareness and fundraising, the 1959 Legends Custom Edition Les Paul Standard uh, and Bonneville T120 feature a host of beautifully hand-detailed custom touches designed and applied in Triumph's factory workshop. Inspired by the shared 1959 history and the enduring connection between music and motorcycle culture from the birth of rock and roll to the teenage cafe racer and beyond, Gibson and Triumph set out to create a unique custom edition highlight and support the incredibly important fundraising aims and passion of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Reflecting the passion that the Gibson and Triumph designers share for their beautiful designs, precision, performance and world-class craftsmanship, the 1959 Les Paul Standard reissue and the Bonneville T120 were chosen to be hand-customised by Triumph's world-leading design team at the Triumph factory in Hinkley, the global headquarters and home of Triumph. Um, unlike the Gibson, which is as close to a clone in every way that you can imagine to the real deal, of which there were only 650 ever made, Triumph couldn't just bring back the original 1959 Bonneville T120 for a one-off. Instead, the Hinkley firm has taken the modern interpretation, the 2022 Bonneville T120, and given it a host of special features to make it stand out. Chief, chief among these is the paint scheme, with both the Bonneville and Les Paul sharing the same iconic sunburst-inspired paint scheme. There are, of course, the usual plaques in commemoration of the collaboration, but topping it all off is the unique saddle on the Bonneville. Hidden away at the rear of the bike is a set of three guitar picks, each nestled within its own sleeve, built into the leather seat. The 1959 Legends Guitar and Motorcycle will together be offered to the highest fundraiser as a reward uh, for their efforts in the 2022 ride, and they'll ship out with signed documentation from both CEOs of Triumph and Gibson certifying their authenticity. 
The 2022 Distinguished Gentleman's Ride represents a major milestone in Triumph sponsorship, marking nine years of support and over 100,000 riders in over 900 cities across the world, raising 31 million US dollars for men's mental health and prostate cancer awareness. The 2022 event is set to ride out on Sunday, May 22nd, with events uh, confirmed across New Zealand. Photos of the fantastic bike and motorcycle combo are up at on throttle.co.nz and motonz.com. KTM revives the 790 Duke, it returns to the lineup later this year. In a curious move, KTM has announced the return of the 790 Duke model, which will officially return to dealerships later this year. KTM says it's bringing the 790 back to its lineup to fill a gap between the single cylinder 390 Duke and the more powerful tech filled 890 Duke variants, potentially a blow to any hopes of a much, much rumoured small capacity parallel twin for now. Power from the 799cc LC8C is claimed at 105 horsepower with torque, a claimed uh, 87 newton metres. The tune of the engine, according to KTM, has been focused on torque delivery and achieving easy, rideable power rather than outright top-end power. This comes in line with the bike's placement in the lineup as an intermediary between the 390 and the 890 Dukes. While KTM hasn't gone into detail regarding how much, if at all, the 799cc uh, engine differs from the last time we saw a brand new 790 Duke, we do know that the 2022 model features a comprehensive electronics package. Included in the electronics package is cornering sensitive motorcycle traction control or MTC, cornering ABS with KTM's hooligan inspired supermoto mode. Three standard ride modes, uh, keeping the rider informed is a full colour 5 inch TFT LCD display and lighting is by way of a full suite of LEDs. In terms of looks, the 2022 uh, 790 Duke introduces two new colourways to the mix. The traditional KTM orange and an all new grey and black scheme will be on offer as well. At the time of writing and recording, we get to hear from KTM New Zealand as to whether we can expect the 790 Duke back in Kiwi dealers and what price we are to expect. But with global prices going up uh, across the board, expect it to be a little pricier than last time we saw it offered new in New Zealand. And we mentioned it in a couple of episodes ago, new Royal Enfield Scram 411. We can confirm it is coming to New Zealand. After countless custom Himalayan scramblers since the platform debuted, Royal Enfield is finally giving us a factory scrambler in the form of the Scram 411. Royal Enfield Australia and New Zealand have confirmed the Scram 411 will be offered on our shores, with the first examples expected in the middle of 2022. Uh, yet to confirm a price, but the Himalayan is priced at $8,390 plus on road, so assume the Scram will come up, come in somewhere around this price point. While we were perhaps hoping for a Scrambler based on the 650cc twin platform, as the name suggests, Royal Enfield has based the Scram 411 on the 411cc Himalayan with a few key differences. Starting at the ground level, Royal Enfield has switched out the Himalayan's 21-inch front wheel for a more street-friendly 19-inch unit matched to a 17-inch rear rim. In keeping with the multifaceted personality of the bike, the spoked rims are wrapped in dual purpose rubber. 
since the Urban Rider is primarily the target here for the Scram 411, Royal Enfield has changed up the seating with a new one-piece seat which sits slightly lower than the Himalayan 795mm height, uh, while weight has dropped 6kgs as well. This comes by way of removal of the nav tower slash windscreen as well as dropping the luggage rack and the crash bars from the Himalayan base bike. Royal Enfield isn't kidding buyers with pretenses of dirt domination. The Scram loses 20mm of ground clearance and 10mm of travel in the forks compared to the Himalayan. Uh, They go on to say that it will be an accessible motorcycle, as these are fast becoming the most popular mode of transport in the APAC region, owing to the ease of riding in traffic and efficiency. Riders across the Asia-Pacific regions are profoundly adopting motorcycles for daily riding, as well as for their adventure needs, and Royal Enfield feel that the proposition of the Scram 411 will find a sweet spot in the mid-sized segment. More information and photos of the Scram 411 up at onthrottle.co.nz and motonz.com. And that about rounds up the news. Now, I was lucky enough to attend the Yamaha Adventure Ride for 2022, uh, organised by the team at 101 Adventures, Ben Townley and the crew, and uh, wired up a Yamaha dealer, uh, Sergeant Motorcycles, involved there doing a lot of scouting out and coming up with a route. Unfortunately... COVID-19 had its way with my family. I was a household contact and was put in isolation for seven days. The longest seven days of my life, I will say. Uh, Lucky enough, though, I was testing negative. I got out and I got to join in the third day of the three days of the event and had an absolute blast. So Saturday morning, I geared up, was sitting on the side of the road on State Highway 2 near the bottom of the Rimutaka Hill, waiting for the convoy of Yamaha Adventure Bikes. This was around 7.30am. It was cool and quite foggy when out of the gloom came a snake of mainly Tenere 700s. I will estimate there were about 40 T7s and maybe about 6 or 7 WR450s. I joined the convoy. We made our way south through State Highway 2 through Upper Hutt to Totara Park. Turning off the motorway, someone jumped off their bike, opened up the gate, which is usually locked, and we waited for everyone to come through the gate, regrouping. Locking it behind us, we headed off up the gravel track into the hills. Soon we were swallowed up by the low cloud. I had a rough idea of where we were going, but it was a logging truck, which, a logging track, which winds its way up and over the hill, coming out on the other side at another locked gate by the Kapimana motocross track in Moonshine area. I'd seen this road on the map and tried to ride it a few times, but always been thwarted by the locked gate. One more local road ticked off my bucket list. From here, we headed out uh, along Bulls Run Road towards State Highway 57, Haywards Hill to Pawatahanui, turning right at Judgeford, and heading down to Belmont Road on the left. We made our way into the Belmont Regional Park, another road that people don't usually get to ride on motorcycles. Uh, we broke out of the low cloud at the top of the hill, finding ourselves riding through lush green panics between historic ammunition bunkers before dipping back down again into the suburb of Belmont and on into Lower Hutt. We crossed Lower Hutt, leaving the low cloud and fog behind us over the Wainuiamata Hill and set forth for the coast. We got to the end of the road where most people are forced to stop, take photos of the coast and then head back from where they came from. And we got, through let, uh, we got let through another locked gate. Now for me, this is where the real adventure began. The plan from here, from the Wainuiamata Coast Beach area, 
was to make our way around the coastline, part over the Orongorongo River, and arrive in Wairarapa at Lake Ferry. This terrain was wild. There was soft sand, there were massive boulders, lush green grass. The surf was crashing on our right. We had steep rocky cliffs on our left. And sometimes we just had to pick our way through some treacherous terrain, uh, hoping we could keep balance and keep control of the bike. I don't feel that my words can really do justice to the landscape here. But there are some photos up at MotoNZ.com and a video up on the T7 Adventures YouTube channel. Most of the riding through here was pretty easy, uh, as we took in the natural beauty of the landscape that we were being treated to. Though there were a couple of gullies where the rain had carved away big sections of land. The team from Sergeant Motorcycles in Wairarapa had sent out an advance party who did some amazing work reconstructing trails through these areas. We needed to summon up a bit of courage and a bit of skill uh, to point the bikes through and sometimes we just had to send it. Here we were skirting near fatal drops, picking our way through swift flowing rivers and employing, as I said, the just send it mentality to get up some loose banks. I was proud of myself though that I managed to get through all these obstacles with no help from anyone else and keep the bike upright the whole time. Passing through a locked gate on the wide upper side, we made our way around to Lake Ferry towards Nawi. At Pirinoa, we, uh, we, we stopped for lunch, uh, and then we uh, got off the main road, cut through a few farms. Uh, this is where I started to feel a little out of my element, however, as I was still running the Pirelli Scorpion SDR rear tyre. Most of the other riders on T7s were running the Midas EO7 or some other off-road biased tyre. Uh, on this damp green grass, I was able to spin the tyre very easily indeed, and it took a bit of concentration to read the grip levels and maintain traction while moving the bike forward. Up and over the hill once again, we rejoined the main road and headed towards Nawi. We got let through another locked gate, and we were off on the second part of the coastline. Uh, this was to take us from Nawi past Cape Palliser Lighthouse. Uh, and onto White Rock. This was much the same as the previous section of coastline. However, it was much wetter and the obstacles were more serious. There was a river that had been dry the previous day when the advance party went through that was pretty close to waist deep when we arrived. There was a, there was a team of six Sergeant Motorcycle staff in the river guiding the way and ready to catch us if, this, if the current got too much. And it did. I watched someone else ride through and they kind of made it look easy, so I went for it and instantly the water poured over the top of my boots, filling them, and started to push the bike sideways faster than it was forwards. The airbox must have only been a couple of centimetres above the water level. My bike was grabbed by the team and they pointed me upstream. They said, send it, just go, power on. So I did, I made it through and I was ecstatic getting to the other side stopped and took a couple of videos of people crossing behind me. Time to ride through what could have doubled for a lunar landscape with soft deep gravel and sand. Grab second and wind it on. Keep the power on and keep moving forwards. Once up on the plane, move the weight backwards, keep the front wheel light and you should be all good. Another section saw the train wind down the side of a washout, pick through the boulders in the river and employ some commitment to get up the other side of the bank. I was among the first riders to come across this obstacle, and feeling a bit confident, I went for it. And I 
did pretty well. I got through the other side, uh, just putting my foot down in the middle for a quick breather. I was pretty stoked to get through here, and I carried on around the coast, passing White Rock and heading inland from here to traverse some more farmland. I was starting to feel the energy levels dropping. It had already been a big day. Most of what we had left was gravel roads and farm tracks, but we soon found ourselves on some more slippery terrain. Green grass can be quite deceiving. It's very slippery. I was standing at the foot of a massive hill climb. It was wet grass, tussock or mud, three different options I had to ride on. I had to get to the halfway up the hill, make a sharp left-hand turn and carry on. It was about a kilometre and a half and I was struggling for traction. I was trying to pull away in second, keeping traction, feathering the throttle and just making sure I didn't have too much wheel spin. I had about five attempts and kept having to stop, turn around, go back to the bottom and try again. I dropped the bike due to fatigue towards the end here and I had to admit defeat, giving the bike to a sweep rider and started the 1.5 kilometre slog up the hill. I was quite dark when I saw the sweep rider ride my bike up the hill as if there were no traction issues whatsoever and it turned out what I needed to do was get the rear wheels spinning faster. I needed to fling the mud out of the crevices and the cracks and the tread in the tyre. Third gear was what was needed and uh, needed to just light that wheel up, fling the mud out and then the bike could grip on the ground. I needed to get up on the pegs and just go for it and give it hell. Most people employed this tactic and made it to the top, no dramas. Unfortunately, I had to walk and I'd actually quite like to go back and try again. By this time, though, I got to the top of the hill. I was completely wrecked. I ended up dropping the bike another three or four times in the slippery clay, uh, finally making my way out to the gravel road and I was done. I nailed it back to Martinborough, said my goodbyes, and then off over over the Rimuchaka Hill to home to rest and recuperate. I don't know how most of those other riders did three days of riding that, that sort of terrain. Uh, I would not have the stamina for that, but it's given me something to work towards. All up, from what I saw, the Yamaha Adventure Ride was incredibly well run. A massive thank you to the people behind the scenes, Ben Townley, 101 Adventures, Sergeant Motorcycles, all the sweep riders, the people standing in the river for hours on end, and thank you very much for inviting me. I had an absolute blast. I look forward to the next event in 2023. More photos and videos, as I said, up at motoNZ.com and on the YouTube channel. Just search T7 Adventures. And that about wraps up the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Love to hear from you. We're still looking for people to join in on our Real Kiwi Riders segment. If you've got a story, or even if you don't think you've got a story, we'll find a story in there. We'd love for you to to join in. Email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz or t7adventures at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Check out onthrottle.co.nz. That's Matthew Day Gillett's website. Latest in news. I've got a lot of uh, news and uh, gear reviews up at motonz.com. Tell you what, one of the one of the stories up at motonz.com right now, it's all about winter bike prep because winter's just around the corner, don't you know? If you're one of those people that like to park the bike up over the winter months, uh, I've got a full story there and some tips and tricks on uh, stuff to help you there. Or if you're an all-year, all-weather rider, I've uh, got some tips and tricks for you as well in a separate story. Just hit up MotoNZ.com and click on the DIY button. Otherwise, get in contact. Love to hear from you. Uh, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray here, and thank you very much for joining me. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. Yeah.